over the last two weeks in our series on community, we've seen that God made us in his image for loving other-centered community with him and with others. And last week we saw that this community has been broken by our sin and we have a need to turn back to God in repentance. And this week, well, initially I had thought of looking at truth in community, but as I reflected more and more, we need truth and grace in community, and that is what Jesus brings to us. So that's what we're looking at this morning, but let's pray before we do anything else. Let's talk to God. Gracious Father God, we rely on you on your spirit, on your word. We know that nothing will happen unless you work in our hearts. Please open our hearts to be receptive to your word. Help me to speak it faithfully, clearly, uh, with love. We pray all this for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Uh, on Wednesday this week, after more than 100 days of lockdown, I went out by myself to a f- my favorite Vietnamese restaurant. I know it's a bit sad. I even took a photo of my meal, not something I usually do. But that is how an introvert celebrates the end of hard lockdown. Understandably, lots of people have been out this week at shops, at cafes, at restaurants, at pubs. It's been a very long lockdown. But in reality, the cost I have paid has been quite trivial compared to that which a lot of people have paid. Lost jobs and businesses, lost loved ones. There's still a lot of grief, which will take some time to heal. I think it'll take time for people to rebuild trust with each other as we start to see more of each other again. Uh, Deep divisions have formed at times during the pandemic and the lockdown, and we only have to look at the US to see some of these divisions. But I suspect that some of these divisions are here as well in our community. For example, there are those who supported the decisions that the government made during lockdown. There are those who resented the decisions that the government made during lockdown and anywhere in between. There are those, for example, who flouted COVID restrictions and those who kept them and judged those who didn't. Many of us are cautious as we come out of lockdown. Can we trust others? Is their contact tracing adequate? Are they wearing their face masks? Maybe there's regret. I I haven't seen him for eight months and I feel bad that I haven't contacted him. What do we need as we seek to rebuild community? We need truth and grace. Two points I want to make today. Truth and grace matter in community and truth and grace come through Jesus Christ. Well, firstly, truth and grace matter in community. Truth matters because trust matters. You know, if you want to have a healthy, functioning community, truth matters because truth is the basis of trust. And trust is necessary in all relationships. How can I depend on you unless I know you're reliable and trustworthy? But who gets to determine what truth is, especially in an age when truth is relative? What's true for you may not be true for me, so the age says. Your truth is whatever you feel it is, as long as no one gets hurt by your truth. One of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons is when the whole town of Springfield decides to adopt Bart Simpson's motto, do what you feel like. 
And it all culminates in the do what you feel like festival. Everything's going well until a grandstand collapses, injuring people. And when the maintenance guy is questioned about not doing his job, he simply says, I didn't feel like it. And Marge Simpson says quite angrily to him, and I love this quote, I don't want to judge the rightness of your ego orientation, but my inner critic says you should have done your job. Only to have Ned Flanders correct us saying, no, Marge, let's not should this fella to death. In minutes, the town is in chaos, a ferris wheel has come off its hinges, animals are running out of the zoo, and accusations and violence erupt as trust breaks down in their community. You see, I think when truth is relative, inevitably people get hurt. It's funny that in an age of relative truth, during this pandemic, we've been told that truth matters. Absolute truth matters. We need to stand together on the truth of such practices as social distancing and face masks and travel restrictions. In fact, if we don't adhere to these truths, we face judgment in the form of public shaming or hefty fines. I think for a culture as individualistic and autonomous as we are in Australia, these things have been very hard for us. Don't tell me what I should do. Stop imposing your truth on me. That's a bit confusing at the moment, isn't it? We live by the anthem, do what you feel. Truth is relative. Don't judge anyone for their choices. But now we hear a different cry, live by the truth. Otherwise, we will judge you. How do we find a way forward? Well, the Bible's starting point is with the truth. The truth is absolute. The truth is not relative. Truth is not what we decide. In fact, we are measured against the truth. Truth comes to us from God through Jesus. Jesus said this well-known verse in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, These have been seen as highly offensive words of Jesus. How dare he be so exclusive in his claim on truth? But I want to invite you to test his claim by looking at his life. Remember what I said, truth matters because trust matters. You know why you will find it hard to trust me or anyone else for that matter? Because eventually you will find out that I am a liar and a hypocrite. And the same applies to you. Eventually, you will also prove to be a liar and a hypocrite in the things you say and do. I invite you to read one of the Gospels of Jesus in the Bible and see if Jesus is a liar or a hypocrite. See if he passes the pub test with the things that come out of his mouth whether they are for his good or for the good of others. I think you'll find that he is the truth. He is completely trustworthy, just as God is trustworthy. Well, truth matters to God because justice matters. God made the world, God made community, but God also expects accountability in community. Justice is a characteristic of God. God is righteous in all his dealings with us. 
It's only fair then that he appoints someone to be the judge, and that someone is Jesus. Here is the Apostle Paul in Acts 17, verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Truth matters to God, so everyone will face this day of judgment. And while that is something that people find objectionable about Christianity, imagine a world without judgment. Imagine a world where corruption, violence, and negligence have no consequences. Imagine a world without justice. Truth matters to our community. That's why we set up royal commissions and judicial inquiries. In fact, just this week, we're waiting for an interim report on the hotel quarantine debacle. Many people are waiting for these findings because truth matters. It's extremely comforting that God has appointed Jesus to be the judge. You see, unlike sinful people like you and I, Jesus can't be bought. Jesus judges us in righteousness, that is truth. Jesus knows all truth. No secrets are hidden from him. Jesus is impartial. He's not prone to bias. Jesus is blameless. He's not corrupt. Jesus has the right to judge. He is the truth. But not only does truth matter, I think grace matters to our community. Grace matters because of who we are. In recent times, we've seen the rise of cancel culture. This is where someone is outed by their community as being offensive in some way, whether that be racist, sexist, or something objectionable to the community. And perpetrators are named and shamed, and then they are boycotted. They're effectively kicked out of professional and social circles. They're cancelled, so to speak. Statues of historical figures have been torn down and removed for their past sins. Celebrities and high-profile leaders have been called out. Cancel culture has been seen as a good thing in empowering victims, giving them a collective voice against their abusers. And while it is a good thing to call out sinful, wrong, evil behavior, there is a dark side to cancel culture. And people are starting to notice this. What if you're on the receiving end? What if you're the one defined by your past? What if all your mistakes and indiscretions and secret sins were displayed in front of everyone? What if you were named and shamed and then cancelled by your community? You see, the trouble is all of us are guilty when measured against the truth. Paul says in Romans 3, verse 22, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The objective standard, the measure of truth all of us are compared with, is God himself. All of us fall short, Paul says. Like an arrow missing its target, we miss the mark because we are sinful people. We saw that last week. We are broken by our sin. Our saying no to God, 
Not only do we reject the truth, we make our own truth. And and let's be honest, we even fail to live up to our own subjective truth. We stand before Jesus the judge, guilty. We ought to be cancelled. We ought to be cast out of God's community. Our only hope is grace. Grace in the Bible is described as God's undeserved kindness or favor. Grace often goes hand in hand with mercy. So one of the ways people describe it is mercy is not getting what you deserve from God, condemnation, and grace is getting what you don't deserve from God. That is God's righteousness through Jesus. Grace matters to guilty people like us because all sinners need God's undeserved kindness. Well, not only does grace matter to us because of who we are, but grace matters because of who God is. The Bible is clear that God is full of justice. He is holy. He is set apart from us. There is no sin in God. He stands for the truth. And he ought to cancel out sinners. But the Bible also says that grace is a characteristic of God. In the Old Testament... Uh, The people of God are gathered around Mount Sinai and they commit a terrible idolatry. When uh, Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, God's people make a, a golden calf and they worship that calf instead of God. And God is angry. He's angry enough that he's about to cancel them out from history. But he relents. And then he says this to Moses. Exodus 34, verse 6, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This description of God is used in a number of different places in the Old Testament. God could have and should have cancelled out the Israelites on numerous occasions for their repeated sins, but he doesn't. Because he is a God of grace and mercy. And not only to them, but also to us. God shows every one of us his common grace. Regardless of whether you believe in God or not, you enjoy his kindness towards you, a kindness that you don't deserve. Every heartbeat, every breath in your lungs, every drop of rain is a gracious gift of our creator. Think about all the gifts that you enjoyed and took for granted before COVID-19. Freedom to travel and to work, freedom to take holidays and enjoy going to restaurants, to appreciate your family and friends. Each and every one of these things is not our entitlement. They are an expression of God's grace to us. But God shows us his grace in an even more pointed way through his son, Jesus. And this brings us to our second point, truth and grace come through Jesus. Our community needs both truth and grace. And when we read the Gospel of John, we see both truth and grace embodied in Jesus. Jesus is truth because of who he is. He is the eternal word who created the world. John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything that was not made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. At the very start of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, before anything was in existence, before God said, let there be light, before he brought something out of nothing, Jesus was there. In fact, Jesus was the word that God used to bring reality into existence. Reality is defined by Jesus. What is true then is defined by Jesus. He made everything. He made us. But how did we respond to him? John 1 verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus didn't come into a thankful and receptive world, but a world that said no and rejected him. A world in darkness hates being exposed by the light. We don't like the truth. Amidst the jubilation of coming out of hard lockdown this week, there are clearly people who are still angry about the lockdown, angry at the government, people with signs on their fences saying things like, give Dan the boot. Here's one I came across this week. Dan, you can't handle the truth. Uh, We have an interesting relationship with truth, don't we? We want the truth applied to others. We like that truth. But I think all of us struggle when truth is applied to ourselves. We want others measured against the truth, and we're we're ready to reject them when they fail to measure up. But what if that same measure was applied to ourselves? You see, I think none of us feel comfortable about the truth when we're caught in its spotlight. That's why Jesus is also confronting He is the light of truth. He's not only the light that gives life to all, he's also the light that exposes the darkness of our sin. And we find that unsettling. Why could Jesus say that he is the truth, the only way to God, his Father? Because Jesus is the Son of the Father. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the one of the only son from the father full of grace and truth in this one sentence john makes a stunning statement the creator becomes a creature the one who made us becomes one of us and in jesus we see the glory of god we see something of god's magnificence and note here truth is truth from god is not at arm's length it's not distant and impersonal as many think it is. You know, God didn't send a nameless PR person to represent him. He sent his one and only son. Truth is personal. It's relational. In the Old Testament, when God revealed his glory to Moses, Moses was at risk of being consumed by God's glory. So God shielded Moses from experiencing the fullness of his glory. How could a sinner experience the glory of God and survive? But in John, we are seeing even more of God's glory than Moses could ever have. How is that possible? Because Jesus is both truth and grace. Verse 16, for from him, from his fullness, we all have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. 
God's Old Testament law is truth. And truth points out your guilt when you break the commands of the law. God's law was never able to make us right with God. So we need more, more than truth, don't we? We also need grace. And in Jesus, we find this grace. John makes a point of saying that God's grace is abundant, grace upon grace. His undeserved kindness for sinners is not stingy. It's generous. And we see this grace in the love that God shows to us when he sent Jesus into the world. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his, one, his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God loves the world. Remember, this is the world that hates Jesus. If Jesus was just the truth, he would have come to condemn the world. But Jesus is also grace, so he loves the world that is guilty for hating him. And in the ministry of Jesus, you see both truth and grace. Jesus was truth when he confronted the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Jesus preached the truth about hell even more than he preached the truth about heaven. Jesus didn't pull his punches when he told the rich ruler to give all his wealth away and come follow him, which proved to be too much for this man. Jesus fulfilled the law by obeying all its commands. Jesus is all truth. But Jesus is also all grace. He ate with tax collectors and sinners, people that others shunned. Jesus welcomed children and touched lepers, something that other people would never do. Jesus gave dignity to women who others considered inferior and unclean. He welcomed the hardened criminal who was dying next to him on another cross and welcomed him into paradise. Jesus is all grace. And the truth and grace of Jesus find its ultimate expression in the cross of Christ. The glory of the Father and of the Son in all its fullness. This is what Jesus prayed the hour, about the hour of his death the night before he died. John 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How can the cross be so glorious? It's a symbol, actually, of death and defeat. Because on the cross, we see the fullness of truth and the fullness of grace. We see God's commitment to the truth, which means he must punish our sin. He cares about evil and wickedness. But God's commitment to grace means that he loves sinners and he wants to forgive our sin. How can he do both? By punishing sin on Jesus on the cross, so that he can show grace by forgiving sinners like us. 
Through the death of Jesus, sin is cancelled so that sinners are not cancelled. God's just anger towards sin is satisfied by the death of Jesus. That's the glory of the cross. It's very hard to find both truth and grace in a relationship, isn't it? Usually we get one or the other. Truth without grace is cold. It's got a hard edge. It's often brutal, like a sledgehammer. We're being told something harsh, and they're telling us it's for our good, but it feels like they're just getting it off their chest, and it feels like we're being pounded and hammered. But grace without truth is soft and indulgent. People tell you what you want to hear. They always accept you, but they never challenge you by disagreeing with you. And we may feel that they like us, but we're never sure if they love us. You see, grace without truth is a kindness that kills us, like a diet of marshmallows. Jesus is not either or. Jesus is both and. He is grace and truth, just what we need. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ tells us that we are wrong, but we are loved. This is how Tim Keller puts it. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Truth. We are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. Grace, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. I don't know how many relationships you have where someone sees you at your very worst and gives you their very best. And that is exactly what Jesus does. That is the cross of Christ. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is why every single one of us needs the truth and grace of Jesus. Do you know this truth and grace? And do you remember this truth and grace? Come to the foot of the cross where Jesus welcomes you and ask him for this truth and grace. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, well, you need to show this truth and grace to others. In fact, God's people should be a community of truth and grace. We are not a cancel community. I want to give you some homework this week. I want you to write two sentences down, two sentences that will help you as you come out of lockdown. And these two sentences will help you rebuild your relationship with God and with others because they are both truth and grace. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm wrong. Please forgive me. You're wrong, and I love you. You got that? I'm wrong, please forgive me. You're wrong, and I love you. I'm wrong, please forgive me. This is a comment that recognizes when we fail to live up to the truth. But it is also humble enough to receive grace. In fact, this is how every Christian begins and continues life with Jesus Christ. And it is also how we should relate to each other. 
In fact, in a few minutes, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And this is a meal that we share together where we say to God and to each other, I'm wrong, please forgive me. So often we hear the opposite, don't we? We hear people saying this, I'm not wrong. I'm not sorry. Or have you heard this one, the fake apology? I'm sorry that you feel that way. This should not be the way for people who know Jesus. We surrender our pride. We recognize that we are liars and hypocrites. And we need to keep saying, I'm wrong. Please forgive me. Now, the other sentence, the thing that Jesus did so well is this. He could say, you're wrong and I love you. This was what Jesus' ministry was all about. He told people they needed to repent, that they were sinful, that they needed to change and turn towards God and turn away from doing the wrong thing. But at the same time, Jesus did this with tears in his eyes. Jesus was filled with compassion. Jesus was eager to forgive people. And he was willing to pay the cost of this forgiveness. So often the message we hear in our society is, you're wrong and I hate you. Every time someone writes a hate-filled comment online, every time someone issues an angry expletive at a politician, Every time someone yells at other drivers on the road, every time someone refuses to forgive someone who says, sorry, you're wrong and I hate you, is what they're saying. This should not be for the people of the cross. For we know the comfort of our Savior Jesus, who said to us, you're wrong and I love you. Truth and grace. So learn how to do that. Learn how to say you're wrong and I love you. In all your conversations, in your families, in your households, in the church. In fact, every time you share the gospel with someone who does not know Jesus, that is effectively what you are doing, isn't it? You're wrong and I love you and so does Jesus. Truth and grace. Truth and grace matter in our community. Truth and grace come through Jesus. And we need both, don't we? We need the truth and grace of Jesus. And we need to show the truth and grace of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Gracious Father God, we thank you that you have shown us the truth that Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life to you. We thank you that he is a good and just and trustworthy judge. We confess that we are liars and hypocrites. We've fallen short of his glorious standard. We ask that you would please forgive us. We thank you that Jesus is grace, grace upon grace that he sees us, he knows us, and yet he is willing to forgive people who hated him. Thank you that he paid the price on the cross where truth and grace meet. And we thank you that we can be people now of truth and grace. Help us, 
Help us to be people who are ready to say we're wrong, to ask for forgiveness. Help us to be people who disagree with others with love. We pray all this for the glory of Jesus. In his name, amen.